Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? So right, welcome perfect. to the Unashamed Podcast. Sean and Rachel Duffy. Yay! Uh, Rachel Campos <laughs> Duffy, as she's known uh, professionally. But uh, we are super excited to have you guys on Unashamed. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having us. I know. We're so excited. So, we, uh, so Rachel, the last time that Lisa and I saw you, we were freezing to death in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the March for Life because you interviewed us for Fox and Friends. And do you remember how cold it was? <laughs> do you still remember that? Oh, my God. I don't know where you guys went after your interview, but I was there for hours after. And I really felt like... You know, when I wanted to come, I complained a lot, but then I tried to keep myself in check because I knew I was there for a good cause. But that I've been to the March for Life many times reporting for Fox. That was hands down the coldest that I have ever experienced at the March for Life. And it's usually pretty cold. And we were out there before daylight. So it was like we were on the like Fox and Friends first hit. We were, I guess, the first oh, hit. My so it was, I mean, yeah, cold. it was cold. So we wa- we went back to the hotel where it was warm, Rachel. And we but we watched all your hits because they were all right at the same time. And mm-hmm. but I noticed it was just as cold for everybody else as it was for us. So it uh-huh. didn't seem to matter. But there's no Every way to start. We hugged. We hugged the whole that's right. That's what I was going to say. There's no way to start a friendship better than just snuggling and holding each other in that cold well, weather. I'll tell you this. Every morning for 60 days, I get up before daylight and it's cold and we go out in this. This is a normal occurrence. Right. Except I do not huddle with my duck hunting partners. <laughs> Maybe you should try that. Huddling is not allowed in the duck line. That's, that's well, the... I'm just saying. Breaking news, though, I'm out there in the elements here, you know. Well, I so realize that. I could that. have given you some tips <laughs> about how to stay warm. Aren't as cool. Yeah, and for a great cause, Jace. Well, yeah. table fair. Don't <laughs> well, underestimate and I, it. I had layered properly because we were marching later that day, but I noticed Rachel had to have a certain amount of look. You know, she's on Fox News, so she had to look good. And so, I, but you have to trade something off for looking good or being warm. It's hard to do both. Yeah. But but True. you did. You look great. So. Al and I look like bears, and you know, <laughs> that we look is like true. a little cub. So, so I don't know if you guys know this, but Rachel and I actually met on reality TV. We did a, a show called The Real World on MTV. Don't watch it because it's embarrassing. We're not proud of we did inside in our younger years. We've improved uh, like fine wine. Um, but we've had a number of people come back and approach us to do reality a TV. A lot of people. Um, huh. And we've always turned it down. But I think as, as I watch what you guys have all done, 
Um, the presentation of family and faith, I think, is what's truly needed in America right now because mm. the culture presents all of this other garbage. Right. Uh, mm. You guys are shining lights out there. And again, it's a conversation that we've had and come to know, uh, to the answer no, but um, it keeps coming up. It seems like every well, year. Well, with nine well, kids, I would think that that would be a draw for you to do <laughs> yeah. a reality TV show. Nine kids is a lot. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You it's, could a, just... it's a lot. You can name- no one's ever happy at the same time. I can tell you that. But what's interesting is when, as we've thought about it, it'd be really interesting to see what you guys say to that. When we did it, we were single. We weren't married. We didn't have kids. And I'm just always worried about the kids. And yeah. what do you guys say about, you know, showing the whole family? As Sean said, I think there's absolutely a positive cultural side to that. Mm-hmm. Right. But what's the drawback? <laughs> this may eat up the entire podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> which is really curious. I was curious because I was going to ask you guys. I read, and I saw on the internet that you guys have both been on Real World, and that's actually how you actually met. And even yeah. though you were in two different cities, and I was like, "Is this real?" So I was because I don't believe so much of what I read on the internet. So I was like, yeah. "That was my question, you guys. Did that really happen? Is really you guys?" In fact, the first moment we ever met is captured on. On the show, and wow. we're the first reality TV couple ever. In the country, so ever. Mm-hmm. It's a little problem. Oh wow! <laughs> so you got and that going we're, for you. We're the most fertile as well. Right. <laughs> y'all, y'all basically trailblazed the path for us, so we we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. Y'all were early. Well, I, I listened to your marriage podcast that you did just a few weeks ago, and I listened to it on my way home from. Tennessee yesterday and what I caught from the very first point you made about being intentional I'm I'm all about being intentional in a lot of things in a lot of areas of my life but talking about the hard stuff about filming with your family in a reality tv show is I would say those years what you call our little duck show those years that we filmed that Jason and I were very intentional about our marriage and about our kids and it was a daily meet, almost, I would say daily. Mm-hmm. We had some type of a conversation about where are you? Where are you at? Where are we at? Where are the kids at? Because we saw other families and how it happened to them. We saw even parts of our family struggling with it. And we would always come back together and be very intentional about it. And I mean, like, not just where are you, Let's because we need to say that today. But it was about what exactly is going on on a daily and weekly basis and let's flesh it out, which is something that I wasn't used to growing up, all those hard conversations, but the Robertson family is, and then Jace is also very intentional. So I would say, you might not agree with me, babe, but I would say during that time was one of the times in our marriage that we got closer as a couple. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, because kids are obviously not mature enough to handle the fact that if a bunch of people like you on social media, that means nothing. Or they follow you. So I would ask them, like, where are y'all going? You got this many. They come, oh, Dad, I got 150 more followers in, like, four months. I like, where are y'all going? Where are you headed? It's like, do what? It's, like, it's all a mirage, you know. If you, right. if you get to thinking your personal worth is based on how many people like you and follow you, this is a dead end road because I mean it may not even be real people, but that was the biggest problem I think is uh, 
it's just hard for immature people to handle fame. So that is why we were having to be intentional. Yeah. And how did the kids do? Overall, I think, I mean, I can speak for our kids. Overall, I think they did very well. If I could go back, like my boys aren't even on social media. They just saw that it was um, a means to an end. Um, Mia, who is 18 now, was eight whenever we started yeah. filming. Yeah. So and 10 years ago, we started filming on A&E. But, you know, they had been used to cameras for longer than that. But she had the most problem with it. But she also has, you know, she was born with craniofacial issues, cleft lip and palate. She has other issues that went along with all of that. But overall, I think that they understand the dangers of social media. And if I would, if I could go back 10 years, social media would not have entered into the equation for any of my minor children at all. They would yeah. not have had a phone. Yeah, I agree. So we've had the same. We've had the same conclusion, Sean. Yeah. So the first, the first two kids, we have nine. The, the older ones all have phones, but we've now made again with having so many kids, you can figure out what you did wrong with the young ones. <laughs> yep. so, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So eighth grader now, who's like, I need a phone. I want a phone, and we've been no. like, nope. Nope. No, yep. no you don't need one. Nobody. Nobody that age needs one. Nobody needs one. <laughs> no. Really, other than maybe a flip, maybe a flip phone, but you can't get social media on that, yep. and you can like take 10, 10 minutes to try to text me a sentence. That's fine. <laughs> um, did you guys do an like an exit interview with the kids? Because sometimes well, the, the two that have left our house, we've done exit interviews to go, okay, what do we do well as parents? What have we, hmm. yeah. what, can we what can we improve upon? Have you had a conversation? <laughs> well, that yeah. Since the show, well, was this worth it? Did you enjoy it? Did we make a good decision to expose our family, or did you wish we hadn't done this at all, or done it differently? Yeah. Well, we had exit interviews, question. but they weren't planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was more yeah. of a crash. Yeah, and it was a crash. crash. And while the flames were burning, we had a meeting. <laughs> and they were like, this is what you did wrong. So, to, yeah, we had them. And, and I, I think to Missy, your credit and mine, I just thought, you know what? We got to fall on the sword. We did make mistakes here and there, and there were. I look back on it, and so I just thought I'm going to own everything that they come up with. Even some things I didn't even really understand what their point was, but most of the things they came up with, I thought, yeah, you know what, I could have done better. Mm -hmm. But they were shocked, and I was like, you're going to have to live a faithful life and have integrity and character in spite of some of the mistakes that I made. But overall, I, I love you. We've had um, just about six months ago, I'll say this. We had a very intense family counseling weekend. And we saw that coming. We saw, uh, we had, I had a friend of mine who was specialized in trauma and she came to our house. And after a day and a half, she told us that we did eight weeks worth of counseling in a day and a half. The boys, my, my boys flew in and we just knuckled down because we saw some problems in our family that needed to be taken care of. And so we did it. And I was super proud of us doing that yeah. and the the siblings had, had you know mia had held some things against her older brothers basically for leaving abandoning her you know without really abandoning her they grew yeah, up they and grew moved up out. they left you know mm -hmm. but there were so many issues that we thought we were dealing with 
but we actually were not and didn't really know how to deal with. And so we had, this was the crash. This was the big crash weekend about six months ago. And it was the best thing we've ever done for our family. And even, you know, we just had a grand, a, a brand new baby, grandbaby. So we're, we're first time grandparents. And when Reed and Brighton had the baby, I don't even know if I told you this, babe. It was during duck season. So, uh, but but like two or three days after they brought Maris home, Reed's texting me. And we're, Reed sends me this text and says, Mom, I don't appreciate your passive aggressiveness. And we're dealing with a lot right now. And I looked at this text and I was like, what? What? What what just happened? <laughs> you know, so I go to call. I'm like, did you tell him anything? He's like, what are you talking about? Mia said, Mom, call him up. If we learned anything about in counseling, let's just lay it out on the table and get it all out. Yeah. And so, good job, Mia. Yeah, I, I called him and he was like, I'm I'm sorry. That was you know we're just lack of sleep and the baby's not sleeping and you know first time parents and so. That helped in so many more ways than just getting the stuff out that we needed to, but it also helped us learn to communicate better going forward. Yeah, you know, how, how go ahead. Do you guys do eight, eight months of counseling in a day and a half? Eight, to eight, weeks, eight, weeks. eight weeks. Still, I mean, in a short time, was it just everyone was really open and willing to share? Is it, a it was about. Hang on, Missy. Hang on, let's Hang take on. a break. So I noticed you get a lot of packages, Missy, like Lisa does. Is uh, uh, you, you one of those online shoppers? That's a yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I've been redoing day. mom and dad's house and updating ours, so yes, yeah. I've been getting so stuff. So our house in Alabama, uh, the neighbors thought it was a FedEx distribution center for a while, <laughs> but it was just our house, but so much came. <laughs> but I will admit, there is once a month a box shows up for me, because I rarely ever get boxes. And uh, one shows up for me. It's from one of our sponsors. It's called Bespoke Post is their name. But they, their website is boxofawesome.com. And it is. It always has something unique in it. And I, I didn't bring my knife that I got this month. But it's, you left it in it's your truck. super. Yeah, I just it's like a lot of different pocket knives. <laughs> and, of course, what happens is you go on, on to their website, boxofawesome.com, and you're going to take a quiz. And so they find out what you like. And so, of course, I like knives and things like that. And so then they send it to you every month. It says a little surprise. You know, you're not sure what's going to be in there. So it's really great. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month. You can cancel any time. Each box costs 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of stuff inside. Mm -hmm. So it's a good deal. Um, check them out. If you'd like to get 20% off your first monthly box, go to boxofawesome.com and sign up. Enter the code Phil. P-H-I-L at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil, 20% off your first box. The counseling session that happened that weekend, she came in and basically started on Friday night with two sessions with Mia. And then the next day, it was just like one session with her, one session with me, one session with me and Jace, one session with Mia and the boys. And then Sunday morning, it was a session and it was like we were exhausted. We were completely mentally exhausted. But what we had decided when we brought her in was this is it. We're, we're going to give her everything that we have because we want our family to heal in the ways that we feel we are lacking but and, lot, and, we, and moving forward. We want, we want it to be better. Yeah. A lot of it was not like there was some big glaring problem, but just when you're in the limelight and you're scattered mm -hmm. in every direction and then your kids grow up and they, they move on, it just becomes 
weird. It's a new normal. And so we were just seeing through attitude, I guess, and just well, we, we would we get together. Have, there were just like, what, 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 something's not right. Well, we did so have a glaring. We did, we did have a glaring problem with with Mia, who was acting out at the time. And I want her to be able to tell her story at some point. So I'm, I'm not going to do that for her. Well, but, but, but I'm it saying, was, yeah, that was, it was time. Something had to happen, you know, for us to be able to function going forward. But, but it's when you have a special needs kid is what I'm saying. So with her, it was like, how can we help her? You know, because when you're famous and you have facial uh, challenges and you're constantly changing, well, that, that, you just think about putting a kid in that spotlight. Well, we felt horrible for that because because you know kids can be mean and so we're like how do we best handle this situation because we felt partly responsible she didn't ask to be famous she she but she is so i think that's where the the counseling came from and it was a great idea i mean i was like uh-oh counselor i don't know about this <laughs> but it was actually awesome what were you gonna yeah, say I think, I think it's really interesting because um there is so much stigma around around getting counseling. I could relate a lot to what you were saying. When Sean was in Congress, I felt like, you know, the uh, and congressmen, political families, they get a lot of, you know, criticism and, oh, you know, you, you really you can't complain about it because you're supposed to be super honored that you get to serve. And, and it's are. great. Yes. Yes. But it's very taxing on a family, mm -hmm. especially a family yeah. of our size. And there was a lot of. I just felt like we were on a hamster wheel until he got out. And and there were, you know, um, there are things that fell in the cracks, you know, when that happens. And I think that we also felt coming out of that um, and our own, you know, we are public figures as well, that it can be hard on kids. And I, I when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, maybe we need this counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My question for you on that is, Obviously, you're, you're a public family, and so trust with a counselor is really important, right? You want to share, and you know you want to feel comfortable getting through kind of the, you know, deep things that are, are bugging the family. Did you have a hard time finding someone that you could trust <laughs> that you could all unload on? Because you don't want to go to just anybody, because if they expose <laughs> yeah. you, you don't. That want was that huge either. for that, me. Well, that was huge. We we did have this couple that we're really good friends with. Yeah. So that it's basically she she was a friend of she's a friend of mine, and she's trained in this area and and works for actually Texas A and M in counseling. And I was just you know telling her about this and and kind of venting like I need some help as a mom like I'm not really sure how to handle this and so people are recommending counselors I'm like I you know we've been through so much with her this was a spiritual decision this was a spiritual problem and I cannot hand my child over to someone without I without me knowing exactly what kind of advice they're going to give my 18-year-old newly adult child in the spiritual world. And also, you know, is she going to tell them the truth? And this is this counselor who doesn't know us going to believe her. There are so many factors. And so when I talked to my friend, she was like, you know what, we're just going to, I'm just going to bring my husband and kids and we're going to spend the weekend with y'all. And I just started crying on the phone. I was like, you would do that for us? And she said, yes. And since she, um, was specializing in trauma. This was basically a trauma situation with Mia having 13 surgeries and going all through this um, without any siblings in the home and many reasons. And so I do not regret that at all. And now I'm like a proponent for if you need it, you get it done, get it done. But with someone that you know. Well, yeah. 
Well, you have to get over the idea about the counseling. But what hit me as a believer, you know, Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, he was like, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a counselor, Mm -hmm. speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. And I'm like, I mean, if the creator of the universe is like pro-counseling, yeah. <laughs> what, what am I doing here? Yeah, I don't have to yeah. have, most of the time people go to a counselor as a last resort, and I'm like, it's way too late in the process yeah. at that point, not, not to say it can't be healed then. So we were more doing a preemptive strike, I think, because it didn't, I mean, I think the big stuff was fine, but really between the cell phone and technology, because all of our kids struggled with the cell phone making good decisions. Of course, we're paying for the phone, so at any time, I would go in there and say, hand me your phone. And from all our time being in TV and being around these weird uh, soundboard guys, no offense, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, I have access to these people who can, who can pull up things that you think are deleted. And so every time I would look at the phone, I'd say, is there anything in here Jesus wouldn't approve? They'd usually say, oh, no, it's fine. Five minutes later, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and so, uh, but during that period, what I was going to say is when I took my daughter's phone away, which is something I should have done with my boys, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to walk with you on this. I'm not going to go to social media. I mean, I, I still have my phone to make calls, but that's it. And then I realized I was spending way too much time looking at how many followers I had and so that was the most freeing experience from the whole thing. And it made me realize, you know, we're all humans and that that's a trap. So, yeah, my, my coworker, Pete Hegseth, um, got rid of Twitter. So he's still on a couple other platforms that, you know, it's hard in our business. We kind of get a lot of news through those platforms, too. But anyway, he got rid of Twitter and he said, my he- mental health just got better. Like I just <laughs> yeah. been a happier person without it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm get, I keep saying, keep threatening. I'm going to do that too. I will say that I did see a, a show once, a, 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 they literally laid out the mental health of kids, of teenagers over the years. And it was like this, then phone gets introduced, like where social media and phones get introduced through the years. And then it spikes up. So it, you can overlay the introduction of the phone and social media and rates of anxiety and depression on children loneliness. and it's and loneliness and alienation and isolation <clears throat> and it just spikes up and it's so yeah. it is so weird that we as parents hand our children and we struggle with it so much too we hand our children something that we know is not good for them that's going to make them sadder or you know, have more anxiety or have more self-doubt that takes them away from real relationships and connectedness, which is where happiness really comes from. But the problem that we've had is like all their friends, the whole community, especially with young people on social media, we don't, that's not us as much. I mean, we still call each other and go have dinner with people, but for kids, that is their whole life. Mm -hmm. And so to take it away, you're almost taking away their whole social structure. And it's, and it's a balance on we take that away? Do we give it to them? How do we navigate it? We took it away. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we took it away. We did. I, it was it was too bad. There's too many bad things. I mean, look, I've shared this story before. I went way down over and beyond. And, and look, my my daughter was bitter for me at me for a while because of what I did. But I think when she got older, she realized where my heart was. You know, I. When I got her phone, I went into her social media platforms and posed as her for a couple of days and got to know her friends really well. And after a while, they figured it out. 
But I, I then said, look, she's going to make some changes, which I, I said, this is actually her dad. But uh, she's going to make some changes, and you've got to make a decision. Are you going to help her be a better person, or are you going to influence her you know, in a negative way? If you're going to influence her in a negative way, you may go now. But And I invited them to come to our house, or that relationship was going to end. And we had, I don't know how many. Six out of eight that you contacted. Six of her friends brought their mom to our house because I basically offered an ultimatum either make better decisions but I was surprised at how they were willing to make better decisions to save the friendship can you imagine the expletives that were said when they realized it was you were her dad we don't have to imagine <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to imagine them. I'm just saying no, you don't have to imagine them I could have just scrolled back and I, they were right there that's, that's why they knew it. yeah I was seeing them already leave that from a teenage kid's perspective let's take a break so babe you remember the guys from 40 days for life yeah. Um, which are super. And Lisa wrote a, an article for their magazine, which is called 41? 40 day, 41st. 41st day. 41st, 41st day, yes. Yeah, the idea is it's 40 days of prayer and fasting for the unborn. And, and then so, what happens on the 41st day? Right, and so it's a really cool um, magazine that they provide. They have a lot of good resources, and they have a book uh, that they wrote, and it's called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. Uh, this is it right here. You can hold it up, babe. And uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great book that really just helps you kind of in discussion or debate. If you have someone at your work or you know school or whatever, and you're talking about life, they're going to give you some really good tips in there and some some great things to be able to argue uh, for the pro life side. Yeah, a lot of my arguments, he said, don't use that, use this. <laughs> so right. it really helped you. So right? it really did help. Yeah, yeah. discussion. And obviously, Lisa and I speak at a lot of events, so. Uh, you can go to their website, 40daysforlife.com, and um, there you can not only find out about the book, also the magazine and all their other resources. And I'd really encourage you guys to think about volunteering and being a part of this organization. They're really, really great guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can also go to Amazon uh, to get the book as well. So 40daysforlife.com. Check them out. Get involved. Well, if and you guys like, you've gone through major. You, you mentioned, and I listened to the podcast too, the ones you did about marriage. So I picked up a lot from that as well. But you've made major changes, right? I mean, because now, you know, you when you were in Congress, so is that why you got out, John? Was basically for your family? Was that, or is that the main reason you? Yeah. So I was in. I was in for nine years, and when when you run for Congress, when you serve in Congress, the whole family serves. And so as I was going back and forth to Washington D.C., Rachel was at home with all the kids, and and, and we kept having kids, so it kept getting. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at, in my ninth in my ninth year, uh, we were pregnant with our ninth baby, and uh, and this little one we found out was going to have a heart condition. She was going to have Down syndrome. And at that point, I was like, listen, this is not going to work for her. I can't be gone. And it was an interesting debate that the two of us had is because she wanted me to stay in. Yeah. She didn't want to make the decision for us to leave. And and usually she makes the decisions. I don't wear the pants in the family. <laughs> 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 but that was the one time I'm like, listen. It is I, the first time we had a marriage decision, a, a big decision that we weren't on the same page. I yeah. think I was pregnant very far along. Um. And I just didn't want to change. Like I, as hard as it was, the change 
and the unknown felt scary to me because I already felt stressed about, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I never had a child with special needs. I knew she was going to need this big surgery. I just felt like the last thing we needed was to throw another wrench into this. But we felt really strongly that we had just stretched the bandwidth too far. Um, He literally said, God's giving us so many signs. Like we'd seen signs with our other kids just not doing as well as they they were doing years before. Then this happened. And he literally looked at me and said, what do you want? What more signs do you want from God? Do you want someone to die? And that's when I said... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. There are signs and I'm not listening. And and that's and so then we did it. We and, j- we got out. And in kind of hindsight. Yeah. This, and I, Donald Trump was very mad about this, by the way. Kinder run for governor in Wisconsin. I've had to be like, listen, this is not maybe politics later, but not right now. But, you know, when, when I saw so my U.S. congressman and, and you and you think you you have more power than most people to serve in this great institution, in this great government. And I realized it's really hard to change things in, in Congress. I mean, you're yeah. one of 435 in the House. And we've kind of had this 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 moment of saying, if you're really going to change America, you're not going to do it through your government. You're going to do it through your family. And I think if conservatives, I made this yeah. point quite a bit, if families actually focus on raising good kids, yeah. faithful, yeah. moral, honorable young people to go out into the world, um, that change continues and it's conservatives who are having kids. And so we all have to focus on our families. And if we do that, we're going to save this country. But it's yes. not coming from Washington. It's not coming from the House or the Senate. It's coming right. from every family making that decision mm-hmm. to make sure their kids aren't getting wokeified on social media or mm-hmm. in the classroom. Um, or if they are getting wokeified, how are you talking to them back at the kitchen table? If you can't get them into a, into a classical education or a Christian education, how are you talking to them to make sure that you're raising good little people as opposed to the little Marxists that social media and schools are trying to, you know, drive into our children? And, and so I, we think that, again, serving in Congress, our greatest movement is the family, the family movement for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was hard. But I think in the end, that was that what, it was like we can't save America as one person in, for, within, in, in the House of Representatives. But we can save our family and feel the strains on our family. Um, And and so then when when we really when it came down to brass tacks, we just God was giving us all the signs. I just wasn't listening. And one last. So when when I I love I love being a congressman. I mean, I love the work. I love the people. I I mean, I'm and I'm and I'm good at it. I was I loved it. I got out and I I made the decision. Right. I told we told you that. I had to go to a number of different events. And the next week, like every event I went to, I couldn't say anything because I'd start crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd start bawling because it was really meaningful. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I really he enjoyed loved it. his job. He mm-hmm. loved it. Loved and it. again, loving a job is not as important as loving your family. Yes. Yeah, and that's exactly. Yeah. If you ever run again, I'm voting for you. I feel like I want to jump up and down because everything you just said, Sean, I mean, everything you just said, that's that's what I feel in my heart. That's what I know as to be truth. And I have said I've learned this, that, you know, people say, well, is parenting hard? You know, well, parenting is not hard. Millions of people do it every day. It must not be hard. Good parenting 
is really hard. And it, you have to be really intentional. And that takes hard, hard work. And a lot of people are just not willing to put in that hard work and intentionality. And it shows. That's why they hand them screens when they're two years old at the dinner table. That All of these things, because it's easy and it makes life easy for you at the time. But what, what a friend of mine said about who works with drug addicts is, is play that tape out. If you do this now, play that tape out. What's it going to look like in a year, two years, three years, mm -hmm. 10 years for your child and your family? So yeah. good parenting is really hard. And I stand by it's that. <laughs> and, you know, my mom will tell me all the time, I don't envy you. You, you know, it's just it's harder now. You know, yeah. there are just so many more forces, so many more cultural forces um, that make it harder. And we all get so busy. I mean, again, like now that we're I mean, we work hard at, you know, at our jobs right now, but there was a hamster wheel about what was happening. I mean, he was gone four days a week. Then he'd come back. We had this giant district. He had to go to this thing. He had to go to the, that thing. And, fairs and, and, and you just get and... into this thing. <laughs> no. And it, it, like I said, it, it's wonderful. You know, you're, you're trying hard. You're trying to make a difference. I try to do what I could as a political spouse. Um, I try to, you know, take care of everything at home, but at some point, um, you just can't do it all. And I think a lot of Americans, we're hardworking people. And I think we do get in into that hamster wheel and forget what, what why we're working. We're really working so we can be with our families. And so yeah. if you're not being with your family, then you have to figure out what you're doing wrong with the work side. And maybe on that point, too, like if I think so often we, we talk about marriage as marriage is easy. Right. And, and I think a lot of young people go into marriage thinking it's um, this this great union and it's going to be fun. And anything we do that's great, whether you're going to become a college athlete or a pro athlete or you're going to start a business or you're going to run for Congress, it takes a lot of work to have success in anything that we do. Um, and marriage is also hard work. And I that's think right. letting people know that it's, it's kind of hard, that that we'll we'll fight and we'll have to yeah. fight through it. Um, is really important because people can't think it's always roses and sunshine and unicorns. It's a yeah. it's a difficult engagement, but it's really rewarding. It's the one of the, one of the most rewarding <laughs> things that done in our lives is having a yeah. good marriage and being good parents. But if you don't understand the work that goes into it, mm -hmm. I think that's why marriages fail. Well, that's Rachel. When, what Rachel said on the podcast about um, when you come in and you're disappointed because the house isn't the way that you wanted it to be, if he would have gone, you know, you would have had the homemade soup on the stove and everything cleaned and put in place, you know, but, but then he reminds you, you did it, marry yourself. <laughs> yeah. When he says you did it, marry yourself. Would, that's right. I don't know if you guys can look at the way James is looking at Missy are right now. Are we, are we doing this now? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> I love it. Hang on, let's, let's take a break. So we talk a lot on the Unashamed podcast about a lot of our sponsors are people that really kind of align with the way we think, you know, and so they want to support something that's, you know, doing good, which is our podcast is doing good, you know, because we're talking about the Bible. We're, you know, talking to people about important things. And even we, you know, swerve into politics and things like that from time to time. One of our uh, sponsors is a group called Patriot Mobile. And so uh, they are a provider. Uh, of what is it? I always get hung up there. You call it, uh, what do you call it? What they do? Is that the food? Yeah. Oh, I got it. It's on here. Okay. Uh, it's a telephone. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
They are a provider of a Christian <clears throat> conservative cell phone provider. That's what they do. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, they kind of line up with a lot of the same values. A lot of people, obviously, that listen to our podcast, Re- religious liberty, uh, constitutional rights, sanctity of life. They're also really big on helping veterans and first responders. So it's a good company. Uh, we all know that a lot of the big cell phone providers are not so great companies. They, they you know, support things we don't necessarily like. So you go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You get free activation with the offer code Phil. So it's patriotmobile.com slash Phil. Veterans and first responders are going to save even more when you switch. So check these guys out, 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Phil. No, but, and, and, you know, Sean, before I knew you guys from Fox, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, the news when you were stepping out and you had done an interview on something. And I didn't know much about you at that time because you're a congressman from Wisconsin. But I remember thinking, man, I really respect this guy because family matters to him. It reminded me, we've got a baseball friend, uh, Adam LaRoche, that's a good friend of our family. And, you know, he retired basically, you know, over a deal because his kid wasn't accepting the clubhouse. And so he was like, he walked away from millions of dollars, a game he loved that he was really good at because he said, you know what, if you, if, if my family can't be a part of this, then I'm not going to be a part of this. And I remember thinking the same thing about Adam. I mean, I thought, what, that's a man right there. I mean, that's a guy who's willing to go all in for family. And so, I mean, you guys had, so you got reality TV, uh, government, and then you had, now your own, media cable media i don't know that you could have more difficult you guys have picked the ch- the path you've chosen <laughs> how could it be any more difficult i got end? one i know how what's that um maybe you could go into ministry yeah <laughs> that's, 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 you're lacking. that's yeah, right that's exactly right and then film it all film it all yeah. at the same time yeah, yeah. because <laughs> ministry is so much like the politics what you were talking about mm-hmm. because when you're in ministry the wife is not employed but but she's still doing all the work, you know, yep. that that the preacher's it's doing. So, yeah. So it's and the same are, thing. People are very, you know, people are looking in. It's very judgy. You know, that's it can right. Be that yeah. way. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I really love Lisa now your story. I, we talked in the in the cold <laughs> <laughs> about, you know, your story. And I just think that there's so much um, there's so much hope in your story, because I think as Sean said, marriage is hard. And to know that, you know, we talked a little bit about when you have a lot of kids that you get these second chances with, you know, that, that God is, is, is a God who renews all things. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I went back after I spoke with you guys and, and went through and looked at videos and, and went online to learn more about your story. And I just was blown away. I found it wildly in inspirational um, for everybody. And I, I just, I'm amazed by it. I really am. I, I, I just have so much respect. Well, Agree. And, yeah, we were, it's interesting because when you guys were talking, we talked mostly about parenting, but you know, you said it, Sean, a marriage, when your marriage falls apart, obviously your children are, I mean, they're the casualties through no fault of their own. And so one of the things that Lisa and I, is we're staring down the double barrel shotgun of divorce, one of the things we realized was us trying to grapple with that in counseling and the th- ways we did it was there's going to be two victims here 
either way. I mean, even if we can somehow work it out, we've got a lot of damage to repair. And of course, our our daughters are adults now and have their own children, but we still see this the signs and the things oh, yeah. from all that difficulty that we had. So, I mean, just speaking as a couple who totally lost it and then found found our way back, uh, your kids, they're going to benefit most if your relationship is what it should be yeah and that's one thing i loved about your podcast you guys really were talking about even through all the processes of being friends first of having your faith at the forefront all the things you have to do to have a strong marriage because you're never going to be a good parent if first you don't have a good relationship with each other i mean that's the basis of everything yeah. you say yeah well and and i would say first your relationship with christ has to be the most important and then the the husband and wife relationship is next. Um, but if any of those get out of out of the position that they're supposed to be in, of course you're going to have, you know, major struggles. And, you know, the do-overs, we only had two kids, so we didn't have nine that we could, you know, do over at the end. But now we have six grandkids. So I feel like, because we all live on a ca- uh, um, in a compound area together, you know, <laughs> we all live so about <laughs> we all live about a hundred yards a from each other. It's yeah. really yeah. normal neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. it is. But I mean, but we get to share this with our grandkids, you know, and we get to help our kids um, parent better than we did. And I always tell my kids, look, I know I was not the best mom. There's not anything I can do about that now, but I can be a great grandmother for your children. And I will do, I will work that as hard as I can to be the best that I could be. And even with social media, our granddaughter had, had some problems with that too. So that affects everybody. It doesn't matter what kind of family they're in. It doesn't matter what their parents do or, or who their parents are. That yeah. is going to yeah. affect everybody if you put it in their hands too early. Yeah. Um, I would say, first of all, I think one of the greatest things that you guys are modeling is this intergenerational living. And I am such a big fan of it. I, I want it so bad in my own family. Um, I, unfortunately, I live in a cold zone and it's really hard for me to get my parents to leave Arizona. I bet. Um, I beg and I beg. I offer first class tickets to come. <laughs> they just don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, but I but I have decided for myself and I've talked to Sean. I mean, our goal is to go somewhere warm eventually and make sure that all of our kids are around us because I want to live like that in a compound yeah. type situation with yeah. all my kids really really close by. And one of the things I want to say too, is that on television, when I talk a lot about CRT and wokeism and everything that's going on in the culture that's hurting our kids, I talk about it all the time. And I always talk about grandparents because I think it is one of the most underestimated sources of influence in the lives of children. True. I think a lot of grandparents don't realize what kind of power they have mm-hmm. um, to, first of all, uh, to kids, want to hear what their grandparents' lives were like. Mm-hmm. They want to feel that connection, that history, that legacy. Um, I, I just think it's amazing, and I but, think people underestimate the power of grandparents. But also as parents, I mean, you don't have any better source of information than your own own parents, where yeah. they can give mm-hmm. you advice on the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how do you right. deal with the situation in your own family today from the wisdom that they have of already gone through it. So, and again, I think we've only just seen this, what, in the last you know, 60, 70 years where families now all dissipate and don't live by each other or near each other and that interconnection doesn't exist. And I think that's one of the problems that we do have in families. Again, we talk about counseling 
you have no better counselors than your own parents to get That's advice right. from right. on how you navigate yeah. marriages and, and families. And, and when they're wise well, about it, let's take a last break. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. When they're wise about it, they also know. Rachel, you tell the story on your podcast, and I want you to tell it to our audience about how your first year of marriage was really difficult, and you oh, got and, and you were like, <laughs> you know, you were like, I, I, I'm not, this is a Amen. huge mistake, right? How hard? so? Tell about when you called your mom because you were thinking what you were thinking. Yeah. So one thing about Hispanic women is they're very close to their mothers. Like Sean can't understand. I talked to my mom like five times a day. Um, and <laughs> on the phone with her right before we got yeah. on the podcast for an hour. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, I mean, our, our, our first year of marriage was difficult. I think I, I had been living out in LA. I had my own life. He was in law school. We had no money. I mean, it, it, I moved into an apartment with him and his best friend. It was just... And it was not, you know, <laughs> horrible. No, I can't even, I, I almost get PTSD thinking about that apartment in Minneapolis. But, um, yeah, and at one point I remember calling my mom and I was crying and I said, listen, I, this was a mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm, I want to come home. And my mother in her thick Spanish accent said, I'm sorry, honey. You don't have a home here anymore. You need to work this out with your husband. And she, <laughs> wow. And honestly, when I think back on it, it was so smart because you do hear about couples like that where the wife is constantly going back to her mom's house, you know, when everything goes bad. And it really forced me to go, you know what? I, I have to work this out with him. Mm-hmm. And very early on in our marriage, it caused me to have to learn how to work it out and that's that's that was the best thing gift she know that my dad did the exact same thing with me but it was the weekend that we got married and he is he's so like i knew we were going down this road (laughs) i'm just saying it was the exact because i did not see that this conversation coming because it's before we got married and he said i just need to let y'all i remember where i was standing at their house everything and he caught me in the hallway and he said, I need to tell you something. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, after you get married, you can't come back here. And I looked at him because he's not a stern man. He's very Babe, loving. He he's very emotional. He me and said, you know what? <laughs> Let me just go ahead and make a prophecy here. And it came out to be true because our first year was bumpy. It was really hard, but he knew from his wisdom that I might want to leave for a little while and come home to mom and dad. And he was letting me know that's not an option. 
And I yeah. didn't realize it at the time, but of course, a and few weeks look, into it, I knew exactly what he was talking about. This marital bliss we now share. <laughs> yes. Because we have the, the, the big stuff down. Yeah. But we, you know, yeah. Missy and I fight like cats and dogs about all the other stuff in front of our kids. Which I think they find it humorous, but because we're just, I'm from the woods, she's from the city. <laughs> she's booby trapped the house with all this china and glasses and plates. And so every time I walk around, I'm bumping into something. And she's like, the other night, she was going to get a cookie and I heard a big crash. She's bleeding. And I'm like, quit booby trapping the house. You can't even get a cookie without. <laughs> so, but I think it works because of the power of God. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think, I think when, the, when, the, when the first years are rough, I can honestly say, I feel like marriage just kept getting better. I, I feel like... It couldn't get any worse. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, <laughs> we need to hang out more. I'm telling you. It's good therapy. I can honestly say that. Yeah. yeah. And look, I told both my kids... I told both my kids that they couldn't come home. Um, but they did come home, but they brought somebody with them. So both of my kids lived with me mm-hmm. after they were married. So, um, while you know, they were I ta- working on yeah, houses while they that. were doing house stuff. See, so I would always say, don't do that. Yeah. But if you made that work, <laughs> yeah, we made it work. It but worked. You know what yeah. was interesting. Lisa and I, obviously, because of our story, we've worked and helped a lot of couples find hope. Um, like you were talking about, Rachel, we, we've, we've discovered that our story was a powerful God story that needed to be told for other people. And so we've worked with a lot of people, but you know, when our own kids had difficulties in their marriages, Lisa immediately wanted to go in as like we would do with a couple. And I told her, I said, babe, we can't do that. I mean, they're, they need help and I want to guide them to help, but it doesn't need to be us in this role in this relationship. We've got to be a support system for them, not their counselor. And the, I mean, they need that, but, but we need to be a, we're a different role. And I think it was wisdom, you know, it was hard because, you it, know, you knew things well, they needed to do. It really was hard because my, at least one of my daughters is just like me. And so I said, I know what to tell her. I mean, I know how to help her out of this. Now it's like, nope, can't be you. You need to be her mom. Can't be me. And let well, somebody I, else I think all of us, though, got to remember. <laughs> I mean, Al, when y'all were going through your difficulty, I was giving you terrible advice. I was like, leave that woman now. <laughs> and, and I was, we all were. We look, all I was were. Mad yeah, everybody that, was. That yeah. he wouldn't. And, and uh, you know, from that situation to even with our special needs uh, daughter when she was born, I mean, Missy and I, we basically felt sorry for ourselves for about three or four months during the pregnancy because we saw it you know, on the ultrasound that there was going to be issues. But, you know, what? when you look back on it, you realize that all this difficulty and pain and, and just the trials that we went through, God was working in us and preparing our hearts for, you know, influencing greater things as a family. And, and I think that's the deal. You don't quit. You don't cut and run. You just get in there and roll your sleeves up with everyone involved. And uh, and it can even change your personality. I mean, I never cried or I was never emotional until we had our special needs daughter. I've been crying ever since. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, Jesus wept. So, you know, it, it was a – but it, it just changed my whole personality because then I realized – you know, what What am I chasing here? What am I trying to do? And it, it really makes you focus on this forever family concept that God introduced. He's given us these special blessings, 
we're kind of leading the ship as we go through the power of God. And it just makes you, you know, change your own, your outlook of yeah. it in life. Yeah. And so when we do this show, you know, I, I'm, I put it in God's hands. I mean, every once in a while I'll be getting stressed out. And Missy's like, I mean, if God is for this, you can't stop it. And right. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is a little so. something when, when I always think about when I'm on my deathbed, what will be the meaningful things in my life is I'm making that preparation to hopefully go to the right place. Right. Um, will I be like, I passed that bill or I made this money or I did, or is it about, is it about my wife and my kids and my family and, and kind yeah. of the work I did here. And I think that of course, if you think about that moment in your life, it is about this thing, this, yeah. Yeah. the thing that you built, not those other distractions mm-hmm. or how many followers I had on social media and how many people liked me. That is meaningless. All this yeah. stuff is so meaningless yes. um, when it comes down to brass taxes. Right. It's, it's, it's family and our faith that is, that when is what matters. I'd say about a couple months ago, um, there was, there's been a lot of pressure ever since Sean got out of Congress for him to go back to Wisconsin and run for governor. And we got the polling um, very early on. The polling was through the roof, like essentially... You know, and and even Sean called the pollster and was like, "Well, I live in New Jersey now." He's like, "With poll numbers like this, you could live on Mars. You're gonna win." <laughs> you know? and, and sure enough, Donald Trump must have seen some of the polling. He called. Um, he was like, "America needs you. This is the time. This is." And again, I mean, it's exciting. It's flattering. You, also, we both worry about our country and yeah. where it's at right now. Sure. And, and and I felt a lot of guilt because. Like I said, we got off the hamster wheel. Our, our life is a lot easier right now. Um, yeah. It's not perfect, but it's a lot easier. We enjoy each other. We have coffee together every morning. <laughs> we love it. And I felt guilty. And literally, Donald Trump literally said, "Your family," because Sean said, "I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't know, Mr. President. You know, like the, you know." my family, I got to take care of my family. And he was like, you're one family. What about the American family? (laughs) And he laid on the guilt. And I I said to Sean, you know what? I, I feel guilty. Like I know you could win. And I see that governors have a lot more influence over, you know, if we're going to save America, it's going to be through the state. That's that's the way. And Sean said, when I'm on my deathbed and he goes, I'm going to regret not being governor. I know that. But when I'm on my deathbed, am I going to regret not being governor or am I going to regret losing these precious years with these kids and this responsibility Mm -hmm. that I have as a father right now? I can be a governor maybe later on if that's what Mm -hmm. God wants. But right now I have to do this. And I think it does come down to that. And I listen to what you guys are saying and and this whole conversation that we're all having here. And what I hear is family marriage it's messy yeah it's yeah. messy mm-hmm. Uh-oh. did they we fall out them. uh but we lost the duffies but it was a great final wow. point yeah we were literally out of time we were out of time i think she was gonna say it's messy but you can do it you can do it <laughs> the power so, of God. so their podcast is called the kitchen table it's on fox news radio if you want to look for that there they do one it's, it's mostly current events but they did one on marriage recently it was really good so mm-hmm. check them out of course she's on fox and friends and he's a fox news contributor so good discussion yeah so we're going to overtime with the ladies and we're going to process everything we've talked about today. So, Jason, yeah, let's, let's do some processing. So, uh, blazetv.com <laughs> slash unashamed. If you hadn't subscribed, you want to catch our overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. 
Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.